You are listening to the Prosperous Pet Business Podcast with pet business coach Kristen Morrison, episode number 32. Welcome to the Prosperous Pet Business Podcast, where it's all about pet business challenges, real coaching, and real solutions to help you thrive in your pet business and in your life. And now, here's your host, pet business coach Kristen Morrison. Hello, pet business owners. I hope you guys are doing great. I am so happy to be with you today. It's been a very full last few months, and it just always feels like a sweet little kind of respite from (laughs) all that I have going on right now. It's all good, but it's just been a lot. And so to be able to connect with you and just sort of sink in to this experience of talking to you and podcasting, it always gets me into a really great place and I'm just thrilled to be able to connect with you today. And I wanted to share a few things before we dive into Andrea Arden's interview segment here. So it has been a really full summer for me, you guys. And I realize some of you may be listening to this and it's fall, you know, winter, spring, whatever, wherever you're at on the seasonal calendar. I just hope you're doing really well. I realize, you know, not everybody is going to be listening to this during summertime. So I wanted to share a few things that are going on. And I also wanted to share a little bit about the podcast because it's a little update about the podcast that I I wanted you to be aware of. So part of what has led to a really full summer has been turning the live catapult program that I've had for a number of years into an anytime access program that literally you can access anytime, anywhere. And the reason I wanted to do that and felt so passionate about doing that is I received a number of emails and Facebook messages from pet business owners who really wanted to attend, but they just couldn't with their schedule, you know, with their pet sitting, dog walking, dog training clients. And I wanted to make it available to those people and really any one of you who is really wanting to take your business to the next level. So you can check that out in the show notes. It, you know, if it doesn't interest you, no problem. Um, If you're curious, feel free to go check it out. The show notes are at prosperouspetbusiness.com forward slash podcast 32. That's the number 32 at the end. So again, prosperouspetbusiness.com forward slash podcast 32. And the other Items that I've been working on, my new book got released. I talked about that in the last podcast and still experiencing a lot of excitement around that. That book is called 30 Days to Start and Grow Your Pet Sitting and Dog Walking Business. And it's for both those just beginning their pet sitting and dog walking journey, as well as those of you that are, you know, struggling with wherever you're at in terms of your journey. You may be you know, three to five years in or even seven years in and you feel like you really want to expand and grow. And so I wrote this book for all phases of the pet business journey and I feel so excited about it. 
You know, when I first started my business in 1995, I really was wishing and praying for a step-by-step guide. Really what I wanted was somebody to hold my hand through the entire process of business startup and then when I was ready, business expansion. There was no one like that out there for me at the time when I started in 1995. And so my next desire after that was, you know, to have a book that I could read. And so I really wrote that book for those of you that resonate with that, that would desire that and can be helped by that. And I really wanted it to be like a coaching session with me where you know, we work every day for 30 days and I give you action steps. All of my coaching clients that I work with receive action steps. During the session, they receive homework. <laughs> so part of taking your business to the next level or being in the startup phase is really being able to implement what you learn and to take action. And so that's really an important part of the process. And so I have included action steps in the book. And I'm just so excited because it's getting a lot of wonderful publicity. I am not going to mention the magazines right now that are going to be profiling it, but there are a number of them and I just feel so excited. Those of you that are Facebook friends with me, I will be posting about those articles as they come out. And um, it's really thrilling for me and also... I recently got to see my book in a bookstore for the first time. I have been an author since 2010. And I've had such a delightful experience in speaking at pet business conferences, meeting some of you, getting to sign your books that you have. But I've never had the experience of going into a bookstore and seeing my book in a bookstore. And that happened for me yesterday with my newest book. And it was so exciting, you guys. It's maybe hard for you to understand, but I posted a video about it on Facebook and it was just really fun to share that with some of you. So there's been a lot of excitement around my new book. And, you know, it took me a year to write. So it feels really very satisfying to be experiencing the fruits of my labor and to hear about people really getting a lot out of it. And then the last thing that I want to share with you before we dive into Andrea's interview is that the Prosperous Pet Business Online Conference starts soon. So if you are not signed up yet, you can visit the show notes for that as well. And again, the show notes are prosperouspetbusiness.com forward slash podcast 32. Again, that's the number 32. So prosperouspetbusiness.com forward slash podcast 32. I also wanted to share with you before we dive into Andrea's interview here that I am going to be taking a little break from podcasting because I need it. (laughs) I need a little break. And so I am going to be taking a hiatus until October or November. I will be doing an episode 33 to let you know when exactly I'll be back in action podcasting again. And it will resume with the every other Tuesday 
release. So don't worry about that. That is going to continue. And I will let you know the exact date when I release podcast 33. That'll be a little update and give you the exact resume date of the podcast. So today we're going to be diving into Andrea Arden's interview. So this is from an interview that I did for the Prosperous Pet Business Conference with Andrea. And this was actually year 2014. And so if you're attending this year's conference, this is going to be one of the segments because I'm releasing the best of this year from the last four years, you know, the best segments ever. And this was one that a lot of you really responded to and said that it was just so impactful for you. So that's really all I'm going to say about it. I want you to be able to experience it on your own (laughs) without too much commentary from me. So I am just going to say goodbye for now, and I will see you at the other end of this interview. Enjoy. Hi, everyone. I am Kristen Morrison. I am the founder of Six Figure Pet Business Academy and Six Figure Pet Sitting Academy. I'm the creator of the Prosperous Pet Business Online Conference. I am just so delighted to welcome Andrea Arden here today. Some may recognize her as an animal planet expert. She's also been on the Today Show. She's written numerous books on dog training, and she has her own dog training company based in New York, which is one of the reasons why I'm bringing her here today because I really want to have her share with you some of her experience, strength, and hope around growing your pet business and also building your team. For a lot of pet business owners, that can be the final frontier of growing and building the team that can really help support that growth. So welcome, Andrea. Well, thank you for having me. And I like that you called building a team the final frontier. I've made it to the final frontier. (laughs) (laughs) Good for you. So how does that feel? It feels great. It's, you know, I think you and I have chatted about this before that I think there's so many challenges in any business, but certainly a business that is focused on helping people develop better relationships with their animals can be especially challenging Mm -hmm. because in addition to all the business issues that we all experience, there's the added component of dealing with what is sometimes a very challenging situation emotionally for clients. Yes. In that they're frustrated, you know, for something as simple as having an eight-week-old puppy who's not house trained yet. (laughs) Surprise, surprise. Yeah, yeah. Person who, you know, a little more understandably is upset because they have an adult dog who unfortunately may have a history of aggression. And, Mm -hmm. you know, many of us within the pet industry have talked about the fact that a lot of us suffer from compassion fatigue. Mm -hmm. And I would say that one of the things that helps to keep that a little bit at bay Mm -hmm. is good team of people around you, you know, and even if you're not somebody like me, who's been doing this forever and ever, and, um, and had a goal to have a group of trainers working with me, you know, even if your team is people who don't work for you, it can still be a team of people who give you support. Yes. And what would that team look like? You know, I did have that team and I still do before I even had trainers to work with me. And 
Um, you were mentioning Dr. Ian Dunbar before, and I would have to say he was one of my first team members. <laughs> yeah, he was, he really was. He was one of the first people who helped me understand that, you know, as challenging as this career can be in many ways, we're doing a good thing and that we all experience a lot of the same challenges and are there to support each other. And, you know, he does it in a way that is very much about humor and lightening things up. Your support team members are people who are able to just listen on a consistent basis and allow you an opportunity to vent and problem solve. But I do think in particular, having people in your life, whether they work for you, with you, or they're people who have other businesses in the same field who can really closely relate to what you're going through is a really important thing. I agree. It's so, so important. Yeah. And so I'm wondering for you, when did you actually know that you needed to hire dog trainers to work with you? Was there a moment where you went, I can't do this all myself? Or what happened for you that caused that? Yeah. I mean, I don't know if there was like a light bulb moment, but I will say that there was a point and it was a long ways into my business. I'm going to say maybe seven to 10 years into my business where I was so tired. I mean, I'm still tired. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of which, I'm going to have a sip of coffee if you don't mind. You go for it, girl. I'll have a sip of water. Um, (laughs) You're healthier than I am. We know that already. (laughs) (laughs) Not necessarily. (laughs) But, um, But I think I just found myself working so many hours and coming home and literally like I would get home and the first thing I would do was have to get on my computer or get on the phone and answer calls. And Mm. I was beginning to feel a little bit like a hamster on a wheel and not having fun with it like a hamster might. Right, right. (laughs) I was really just sort of spinning. And friends started saying things like, all you're doing is talking about how tired you are. Mm -hmm. So um, it really actually was a surprisingly big decision for me to decide to hire somebody, which looking back now, I'm like, why did, why was it so challenging for me to make that decision? It wasn't that I thought like, oh, nobody could do what I do as well as me or anything like that. I think it was, I actually think a big part of it was, can I take on the responsibility of essentially sort of supporting another person? and their goals, and also their financial needs. And that was a little scary for me. Yeah, I get it. Because then you're responsible for them in a way. It, in a big way, yeah. You know, you feel like, you know, I, I was doing an enormous amount of work as it was to build up my business. Mm-hmm. Um, and I felt like, oh gosh, am I going to be able to continue to build it even more so that there's lessons enough and students in classes enough to support me and somebody else, and eventually a number of other somebody else's. So that was, a, that was a difficult hurdle for me to get over, for sure. Mm-hmm. That's understandable. And so how many people do you have now? And is that your ideal amount of team members? Would you like more than you have? Um, I think I would like more people. We have seven people right now. Um, mm-hmm. So eight total, including me. You know, we've unfortunately over the last couple of years had more turnover than I've ever had before. And that is due in great part, not because I think they were unhappy, uh-huh. uh, but because uh, a couple of trainers about a year and a half, two years ago, decided to move to other parts of the country, which I was all for. And in fact, one of them is now working for Ian. Oh. So I organized that for her. She's wonderful. And she great. decided to California. And I said, it's a no brainer. Mm-hmm. I called Ian and said, and th- there's an example of having a support team around you, you know, that uh, just because somebody's leaving my team doesn't mean I don't want to help them join another good team. And so we're all hopefully work together, not to sound too kumbaya about it, but yeah, (laughs) um, (laughs) 
So we now have the seven and me, but I, I would like to hire on a couple more people. I'm in talks with people. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say, and maybe you can advise me on this, that mm-hmm. I do find it particularly challenging to find people who sort of are the full package in regards to being able to mm-hmm. teach group classes, teach private lessons. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a big part of that is because so many people who are involved with animals, of course, love animals, or hopefully they do. Mm-hmm. But I, I think sometimes when people don't have experience in this field, they don't realize um, how challenging it can be dealing with clients. Exactly. And I don't know if you've had this experience, but I often did when I ran my pet sitting company. People would come to me and say, you know, I love animals. I don't really like people that much. And, <laughs> They would think you don't have to deal with people, but really you do. They're the ones paying you, hiring you. So that was always a red flag for me when people would say that. And often they would say it to kind of please me. They thought it was something I would appreciate, but I just knew and know the value of connection with the humans and how important that is. And I would think for dog training too, it's even, it's sort of in a way a performance, you know, where they're, Really needing, right? Yeah. Yeah. All the time to young uh, people or people who are already trainers, people who want to become trainers or already are. And I say, you know, you not only need to know your stuff. Yeah. Comfortable with animals. Yep. And good with people, but you need to be able to perform. You need to be able to, and it's going to sound a little funny to say it this way, but it's true. Essentially, not only educate, but entertain. Yeah. I think if you're sort of, you know, monotone about it. And you're like, well, you need to do this and then you do this and then this will happen. You're not going to get people on your side in the sense of convincing them what they need to do to develop a better relationship with their dog or their cat or whatever animal you're working with. So you're spot on. I think a big part of it is sort of being an entertainer and having the confidence to know that you have the knowledge Mm -hmm. and that you're presenting the knowledge is something that people are receptive to. And that's, again, that's difficult. And interestingly enough, the newest person who's an apprentice, so that actually makes nine of us because she's not a trainer yet, but she's apprenticing, Mm -hmm. is an actress. And when I interviewed her a few months ago, I got to say, she was, she's 23 years old and she was so confident Mm -hmm. almost to the point where I said to her, you're kind of scaring me. You're way more confident than I am. Part of it is because I think she's an actress, very used to being on stage. And um, so that was a, a real bonus for her. You know, she, she seemed to have a nice way with people and I, you know, had her interact with animals, and that was great. But her confidence was amazing because uh-huh. that's something that if you don't have it, can you? It can take you a long time to build. I agree. I agree. And I think you know the entertaining aspect. I just kind of want to clarify this. I think would be most important with dog trainers because they really are educating people. For pet sitters and dog walkers, probably not so much entertaining. Although it's you know clients appreciate a fun personality, but the confidence is so important. And that's something people, what, you know, they're trusting you with their animals or they want to trust you with their animals. And if you're a pet sitter, they're home as well. So they really want to feel comfortable, like they can give, you know, their home and their pets for a time to you. And so the confidence is so important. What do you think, because I know you went from being a dog trainer and you're still a dog trainer, but to also being on TV, which is a very different muscle to work. So what do you think it takes for somebody to build that confidence if they don't have that confidence already within them? Um, 
I mean, as it relates to what I do, that is helping people learn how to educate their dogs. Um, honestly, it's just time. It's uh, our apprentices sometimes apprentice for a year or two years. Actually, I shouldn't say sometimes. It's easily a year. Sometimes it's upwards of two years, which I know can sound very intimidating to people. I think people are used to the idea of things happening really quickly. And they think, oh, I should become a master dog trainer in six weeks. But I don't really think that's necessarily possible. Mm -hmm. uh, the reason for that is because I think a lot of what is required is the experience of being around lots of different people with lots of different types of dogs um, so that you start to become more comfortable with a whole variety of different scenarios. Mm -hmm. uh, whether it's the person who won't stop talking in class and asking question after question or it's the person who sits stoically and just stares at you, which I think can be the most intimidating. Mm -hmm. You don't know what's going on in their head. And I think that can throw a lot of people, even experienced trainers. Um, but I think building confidence in dog training, as with everything else, really comes with repetition and being able to feel confident that you've experienced something enough times mm -hmm. that you actually become sort of desensitized to it. Yeah. I'll give you a good example. Okay. Nobody, nobody would think this, but I actually have a pretty, I shouldn't say this, a pretty severe phobia of public speaking. Mm -hmm. uh, it in no way relates to being on TV. I have no fear of being on TV. I never have. But oddly enough, when I stand in front of a crowd, and even if I have to say just a few lines, it really is nerve wracking for me. And it's so much so that I, I worry about it for, I'll admit this, weeks in advance. Mm -hmm. uh, so really what's helped me over the last, really I've only started focusing on trying to resolve this issue in the last couple of years is just doing it more. Yeah. And I, you know, I, the more I've been doing it, I, I'm still nervous, but I'm certainly not as nervous. Yeah. Um, and it's really because I have the history of being able to look back on the last 10 or 15 experiences I've had speaking in public. And I'm like, I got through that. People didn't email me after and say, you're a joke. <laughs> Okay, so I'm gradually building confidence in that regard. And I think the same thing holds true when you're becoming a dog trainer or a pet yeah. sitter or whatever it is you're learning. Yeah, and I think, you know, with the phobias, like anyone that has a phobia, I think it really is repetition, doing it over and over or experiencing whatever the fear is and just kind of building the muscle in your head of knowing I can get through this. I got through it, you know, and the more you do it. Want to take what you're learning from the podcast and begin to apply it in your own pet business so you can see powerful results? The Pet Business Online Course Learning Platform can help you do that. You'll find instant access courses that can help you launch or grow your pet business starting right now. You can watch, listen, and learn from the courses right now or whenever works best for you and from wherever you're at in the world. The How to Start Your Pet Sitting and Dog Walking Business in 7 Days online course gives you step-by-step -step instruction and comprehensive tools to help you launch your own pet care business and get paying clients in just one week. The four-week Pet Business Catapult program provides a weekly comprehensive plan to help you create systems and strategies so you can work on your business instead of in your business. You'll also learn exactly what you need to find, hire, and train quality staff and attract high-paying, profitable clients. With these classes and the many other online classes you'll find 
find on the course platform, you can take your pet business to a new level of growth and success starting right now. Go to PetBusinessCourses.com. That's PetBusinessCourses.com or use the online learning platform link in the show notes page to start transforming your pet business right now. You'll find many classes for all your business needs, including how to get your website higher on the search engines and how to use Facebook marketing to grow your pet business, plus many others. New courses are added monthly. These online courses provide solutions and actionable steps so you can quickly take your business to a new level of growth and profitability. And you'll receive your courses in less than 60 seconds after ordering. To find out more, go to petbusinesscourses.com. Yeah. I'll tell you a funny story. I had a person, one of the first talks I ever gave, um, it was a huge crowd. It was like three or 400 people, which was not a good start for somebody who has a phobia. <laughs> <laughs> and the person who introduced me, I had told her before that I was really nervous. She got up on stage to introduce me, even thinking about it actually makes me a little. <laughs> and she said to the crowd, now everyone, I need you to give Andrea a very warm welcome because she's really nervous about oh. giving talk and I was like oh no so yeah um I think that can be really humanizing though and people can go oh I because so many people feel that's what she intended of course yeah it's so sweet but I get it it's like ah the pressure's on even more now (laughs) so in terms of hiring people what what have been some of the biggest challenges around that for you? I know we talked about people that don't really like people, but what are some of the other challenges that, that you've experienced? Um, I'm going through a lot of them now because we are actively looking for people. And I would say that, um, how do I put this sort of in a nutshell? It's, it's very hard to find somebody who, as I said before, um, has a natural sense of comfort with dogs. And of course, that's something, again, like everything that you can, you can learn. Mm-hmm. But um, we, you know, we're a business. So as much as we spend a year or so having somebody apprentice, I can't spend five years having somebody apprentice. I mean, my, my time is valuable, as are all the other trainers' time. And so we need to have a sense that that person is comfortable with animals to a great degree as a start. But I find that it's surprisingly challenging to find somebody who... I think our clients would be receptive to, um, you know, keep in mind like a pet sitter, it's somebody who is potentially going into somebody's home mm-hmm. and first impressions count. Yeah. And so there's that fine balance between somebody who's confident um, and exudes that confidence. That's important. Mm-hmm. But also somebody who's able to sort of play the give take with different clients and be able to adjust according to what's needed. So for example, sometimes you walk into a client's home and it's somebody who is, makes you feel comfortable right away. They're super welcoming. They're like, oh, come on in. And would you like a cup of coffee? People offer us glasses of wine all the time, believe it or not. Um, and other times, you, you know, the door opens and it's somebody who's standing there you know, with a very strange body language where they're almost blocking you from coming in. And you're wow. like, well, you hired me. Do you yeah. want me to come in and work with your dog or not? So um, that, that is one of the hardest things is finding somebody who has the ability to adjust and, um, it's, it's a, this might be a strange way of saying it, but take control in situations yep. in a way that's soft. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want somebody bulldozing into somebody's home or bulldozing through a class, but mm-hmm. they need to be able to sort of be, be in charge. Mm-hmm. Such a fine line, isn't it? Uh, it really is. 
Yeah. And it really is a learned behavior. I don't think people, I, I guess there are some people who are probably naturally really good at it, but I think in terms of what I've experienced in my life and in hiring so many people, it really comes from navigating a bunch of different odd situations, <laughs> which are bound to happen in the pet care world if you're dealing with people and pets. It's I think that should be your next conference. It should just be people talking about like a competition show. The oddest things they've dealt with, the oddest client stories, <laughs> what they've walked into. I know, I know. Maybe we can collaborate on a book together. Not a bad idea. <laughs> so in terms of growing, because we talked about hiring and I want to talk about growing because sometimes the growth process in a business can be very challenging because it can happen very quickly sometimes where you're wanting to grow and then all of a sudden you're getting a lot of client calls. And for you, what have been the growing pains and how did you deal with them in terms of quick growth? So I would say probably the biggest growing pain I have had and continue to have, it's the nature, I think, of a business doing well, yep. is that um, we have a high, high demand for our services, particularly lessons on weekends and evenings, <laughs> and we cannot meet the demand. Mm -hmm. And so on the one hand, it's a no-brainer that after all of these years spent working very hard to build my business, to build, you know, for lack of a better term, a brand mm -hmm. uh, that I, I believe is well-respected in my community. Yeah. Uh, it's sometimes very hard to meet the demand. And people are surprisingly intolerant of their inability to schedule you as fast as they'd like. Yeah. Um, so the growing pain there is that on the one hand, you want to meet the needs of the clients and you want to retain those clients. I mean, you spent time and money getting the customers. Mm -hmm. And so if you just go, sorry, I, I, you know, you found us through XYZ, you know, website or, or through a referral, but we actually can't provide the service that you want in a timely manner, which means, yes, you should be hiring more people to work as your team, mm -hmm. but that takes time. And then also there's the worry that you hire more people. And when there's the inevitable downtimes, yep. are you going to be able to financially support your team members? Mm -hmm. and it's a bit of a juggling act and it's, it can be very challenging. I imagine in the pet sitting business, it's very much the same thing that there's times of year, like the holidays, obviously, where you need lots of people working for you, mm -hmm. but there's other times of year when the phones aren't ringing so much. Yep. Definitely. Yeah, that can be challenging for sure. And I think, you know, this business, being in the pet care industry is very nuanced and there are fine lines and it's learning how to dance within that. And it's, it's a challenge. It really is in terms of hiring, in terms of growing and kind of balancing between those busy times and the slower times. So... Yeah. And I think yeah. the difference between somebody like me, or I think what your business was, mm -hmm. um, is that we are not running a business like a huge corporation right. where, um, you know, we have, you know, a huge staff and support system and lots of money behind us. That's mm -hmm. you know, the downtimes. You just roll right through them. We're small business owners who, again, it's more of, a, I think it's more of a juggling act. I've never owned a corporation, so I'm not sure, <laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah, you know, and it's, it's, you're constantly feeling that pressure of, 
you know, am I, am I going to expand too quickly and hire on too many people in which case, oops, you know, come the summertime, for example, when it's quieter, you know, are those trainers going to be sitting there going, Hey, I haven't gotten that many phone calls for private lessons this week. What's going on? Yeah. You know, you're going to let them down for sure. Yeah. And when I'm working with pet sitters, especially, because this does often happen in the pet sitting world in terms of slower times versus busy times, hiring backup people can be great. And that can be very hard to find, but it's worth it to find those people who are just willing to work a little bit and also work as much as you need when it's busy. So, you know, them being able to be flexible can be really helpful and again, it can take a while to find those people and you have to be really upfront with them and say, we don't have a lot for you right now. We might in the future, but are you okay to just do a little bit for now? Well, it's actually interesting you said that because I have two trainers, one who's on paternity leave and the other who's moving to Westchester. And the one who's on paternity leave, in addition to that, he also moved out to the suburbs as well. So both of them actually have become exactly that. They may not want to be working full-time like they did before, but I absolutely feel that we have such a good working relationship that they're there as backup. And so that's a really, um, it's, there's, there's a relief to that, knowing that there's somebody there that if you feel a little stretched thin, or if one of the trainers or two of the trainers go on a vacation at the same time, you have coverage. Mm-hmm, exactly. So... I want to give people really solid action steps when they walk Uh-oh. away from this interview, right? I know you know about that because you're such an action-oriented person. I am too. And I know a lot of people out there are like, okay, what do I do? So I'd love it if you could give those business owners who need to hire somebody great, like what's one action they can take today? And then for those people who really want to grow their pet business, they're struggling in their pet business. What's one aspect that they could take to grow their business today? So the one thing I would suggest in regards to adding team members, which I just decided to do, which so far is, seems to be working. In fact, I have two meetings in a couple weeks with former students mm-hmm. who came to our classes who were very, very good with, with animals, with their dog and with, with the other dogs in class, who I, out of the blue, I've never done this before, contacted them and said, you know, you were so great in class and you're such a nice person. I'm just throwing it out there. You know, you can laugh if you want, but do you have any interest in, you know, getting involved in dog training? And I I won 50% of the time. One of them actually is really interested. The other was like, well, I don't know. I'm a graphic designer. I'd have to think about it, but I don't remember who suggested I I do that. It might've been one of the other trainers on our team, but, you know, I just said, well, you know, I know these people already. They're nice. Uh, they're dedicated to their own dogs. They had great handling skills in class. So why not just see if they're interested? So that's one thing I would suggest for building a team. Yep. Um, the other, I actually, I would say is um, putting the word out to other businesses. So um, I've started to sort of put out feelers with some veterinarians in New York City that I like very much and just say, hey, if you know any vet techs or anybody else who might be interested. Mm-hmm. And your second question was building your business. Yeah. Yep. So I'm going to give a very concrete tip, which um, I focused on this a lot many, many years ago. And I think I have to give credit yet again to Dr. Ian Dunbar for this one. Um, I'm pretty sure it was him who suggested this. And I, I actually think this made a huge difference in building my business. He suggested not only that I go around to visit veterinarians, which believe it or not, looking back, I think I was visiting vets offices 
easily one or two a day. So I would like go do lessons and then I'd be in a neighborhood and I'd stop into a vet's office and then I'd go teach classes at night. Mm -hmm. Um, But he said something very particular. He said, every time you go into a veterinarian's office, bring them a gift. And when he first said it, I was like, really? I'm like, so I have to walk in with something? And, you know, it wasn't that I was being stingy. I just thought it it will feel awkward. He said, no, 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 really. He goes, and don't bring a gift for the veterinarian. Mm -hmm. Bring a gift for the the staff, especially the people at the front desk, because they're typically the ones who are going to be referring. And so lo and behold, not only did I start doing that, um, they're like throughout the week, but come the holidays, I would bring big baskets to them. Mm -hmm. Um, And believe it or not, I don't know if I should give this little secret away. I would actually bring in baskets to veterinarians who had never referred to us before. And I would say, I want to thank you so much for all the referrals that you sent us. And it would give me a little sort of like, hmm, maybe, maybe that was a little manipulative, but it worked. <laughs> um, sometimes it can feel a little weird to go in somewhere. Yeah. Hi, and I'm Andrea and I'm a dog trainer and I'd love if you, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Walk in and you just go here. You know, thank you so much. Yeah. Great day. I think it opens the door and obviously they they get to know you a little better. Absolutely. Funny story. I remember when I, I have to be honest, I kind of stopped doing that. Mm -hmm. Um, Honestly, it was a time thing. Um, And part of it was what I said before, which was we have a really good problem on our hands, which is we almost have too many client calls coming in. Mm -hmm. So about two or three years ago, when I started tapering down doing this, I got a number of calls from pet stores and veterinarians in New York City asking me where their gift baskets were. (laughs) 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 They missed it. They got used to it. What did you you put in the gift baskets? I went to TJ Maxx and I would buy, you know, crackers and candy. And I'd always Mm -hmm. buy things that were shareable. Uh It was very, yeah, I'd go like, you know, to the local drugstore and I'd get like, Mm -hmm. um, you know, um, those packages of M&Ms where they came in the little bags. Yeah. very easy for everybody in the in their practices or in the stores to be able to have you know some little goodies it was that simple really I love that that's great yeah it's so important I think I recommend that a lot too to bring gifts to vets groomers pet stores oh see I thought it was just Ian's little secret that he had passed <laughs> on to me I guess <laughs> but the gift baskets are great you know I usually recommend donuts or you know pizza even at lunchtime can be a great thing yeah, wait, I have to tell you one more thing. I actually remember I did have a couple of practices who started asking me for healthier snacks. Ah. Not, and I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> We're going to put in our order. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cute. They obviously loved it. So I, I'm asking all the speakers two questions because I, I think these are some of the challenges that a lot of pet business owners have. And I want to make sure that we get a lot of input around this. So in terms of business challenges, like what is the best advice you've ever been given, whether it was from a mentor or reading a business book, or what's the best business advice you've ever received? I know what it is, but I have to be really honest with you, and I will say it's an ongoing struggle for me to adhere to this advice. Yeah. Um, but it is to set very clear boundaries with your, your customers, your clients, your students, however you refer to them. Yeah. Um, because I think that not setting clear boundaries is one of the biggest reasons that people have burnout, compassion, fatigue. And in a nutshell, they just want to run off to an island and hide. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I'm being honest, I still sometimes feel that way. I sometimes feel um, when I get a text, you know, at 11 o'clock at night with a house training emergency, 
um, instead of just letting it go, mm-hmm. I start sort of getting upset about it and getting upset because I feel frustrated that I've given the advice already a few times via email and in person and what have you. And I get upset because I feel they're intruding on my time and yeah. I thought they liked me and why are they not being respectful of me? And I start sort of getting in my own head. So I've mm-hmm. had to work very hard and I just to sort of learn to sort of listen to the advice of sort of let it go you know, mm-hmm. set the boundaries. And when the boundaries are stepped over, mm-hmm. you, know, you don't have to respond to everybody right away. You're not being a bad business person if you don't respond right away. Yeah. Um, and as, as much as I hope this doesn't sound, <laughs> sound a little rude, you're, you're in essence to a great degree when you're a dog trainer. And I'm sure when you're running a pet sitting business, you're, I don't want to say training, but you're training or teaching your clients yep. as much as you are the animals. You're saying, listen, I'm offering you something that I think is very valuable to you. Um, and with that said, I need you to respect that and understand that just like you, I have a life and I want to provide you with what it is you're looking for. Um, but I also need you to be respectful of my time and not expect that you're really the only person that I'm dealing with. Exactly. And I think it's only through setting boundaries that people really respect that time. I mean, you know, some people will be naturally respectful, but I think those clients that are really challenging and kind of bulldoze over everything and bulldoze over your time are going to begin to respect that through, no, that doesn't, that doesn't work for me. One of the ways I've started to become a little better about that is just recently, I'm I'm a bit after 20 something years of business, I've just started doing this. I've started to, um, when people, when I realize that they're emailing me or texting me with loads of question after maybe one lesson, I now say, these are the fees for a phone consultation. Let me know if you'd like to schedule. That's right. Working. Yep. Yeah, your time is valuable. Um, there was something about the boundaries. Oh, because I deal with this a lot with my coaching clients who call. And, you know, a lot of people just, they really, as business owners, need to set those boundaries. And what I found in my own business, as well as working with people, is that the guilt is there or the fear of setting boundaries is there. That I've found goes away after a time, but in the beginning of doing that, it's so pleasant and it can kind of consume the experience so that people can go, oh my God, I felt so much guilt or shame about setting boundaries or fear that it just wasn't worth it. But it is, it's just a muscle that you're building when you're setting a boundary. Also, I do want to say, you just made me think of one thing, which is and I, I think you and I have discussed this before. I think there's something about working with animals where sometimes people get a little confused and they yeah. think that because you love animals and because you've made a career out of working with animals, that that should be enough for you, your mm-hmm. love of animals. And, you know, they forget that you have to pay your rent or your mortgage mm-hmm. and you have to feed yourself and you have to occasionally go to the movies, you know, and all that requires money. So, um, it's, it's something that I think unfortunately doesn't stop as you've been doing this for a longer period of time. And I, I think that that's part of the boundary thing is making it clear to people that, yes, I do love your dog. I adore him. Um, and I'm so glad that you're, you're with me and working with me, but you know, I, I, I'm not with your dog or spending time with your dog or teaching you just because I like your dog. It's actually what I do for a living. And that's, exactly. that's a hard thing for people to understand, which is very strange, but it is hard for them. Yeah. yeah I, I remind people you're not running a nonprofit. Yeah. This is a for-profit business. You know, it's okay to make money from your love of animals. It's okay. Yeah. yeah it doesn't mean that you're being like money grubbing. Or, right. Yeah. 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 I have many, many people who 
um, email me or Facebook message me. I had somebody recently who, I don't know how she got it, but she got my personal cell number. Oh, I still ask me, you know, can I ask you a quick question? And you know, of course that quick question turns into their dog, unfortunately is like, you know, been fighting people or chasing mm-hmm. cars or whatever. And, um, you know, and I'll oftentimes now respond and say like, well, first of all, that's not a quick question. Or if it is, it's not a quick answer. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, then when I, I, get, I say, well, this is what we offer and you can schedule a lesson. They're like, oh, no, no, no. I live in Alabama. And I was like, listen, I want to help your dog. If I yeah. live there, I would want to. But, I, you know, I can't. Just imagine you're, you, they're seeing themselves as the one person asking the question. Right. They're not realizing that you've got loads of people asking things of you every day. And if you were to try and make the time to respond to everybody because you feel guilty, yeah. you literally would spend all day answering questions like that. Yeah. Like you said, it's not a charity. It's not a not-for-profit. And also there's part of, I think, running a good business, at least for what I do and I imagine as a pet sitter, is providing a lot of support information on, on your website, for example. Mm-hmm. So that it frees you up. I mean, I'm, I'm able to confidently say to people now, if you have a follow-up question about house training, you can't afford to do a lesson or a group class, go to our advice column. There's at least 10 or 15 articles on that particular topic, and that should answer your questions. You don't need me to write out the answers to you in an email right now. Exactly. And then the final question, Andrea. So I know you're super busy, and what do you do to really recharge in your life? Oh, goodness. Um, <laughs> Let me think. You know, I have to admit, again, I'm trying to get better. I think the last time we spoke, which was maybe a couple of years ago, I said I was working on it then. Um, I am going on a shark diving trip. In a, so I love to scuba dive, but obviously that's that's not something I can do that often. I, um, I love horses, so I've made a really concerted effort in the last year to spend t- more time with horses. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I admit that I, partly because I live in New York City in a small apartment and I've never in five years turned my oven on, huh. no. <laughs> um, I eat out a lot. So for me, going out to dinner with friends mm-hmm. uh, is, is a really nice way to be able to recharge at the end of the day and mm-hmm. sort of get powered up for the next day. Yeah, yeah. And the connection with, with people who maybe aren't in your industry where you can just let go and relax. Yeah, because the good news about having friends who aren't in our industry mm-hmm. is that, you know, they'll listen to a few stories, but yeah. after the second or third, they yeah. let their eyes glaze over and you're like, oh, I guess it's time to move on to another topic. Yes, that's <laughs> not business related or animal related. <laughs> Thank you so much, Andrea. I really appreciate your time and your incredible, beautiful energy. Aww. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you so much. I actually, truly, I mean this. I think it's so wonderful that you've created something that is a support network for people who want to get into our field. It really is wonderful. Great. I wish you'd been around when I was starting 20-something years ago. <laughs> Me too, when I was starting 20-something years ago. <laughs> Thank you so much, my dear. Thank Have you. a beautiful day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Isn't Andrea something? Oh my goodness, you should see her in person, you guys. I know you're listening to her, and she has such a wonderful voice, but I'm telling you, she is such a bright light, that one. And she does appear at the Prosperous Pet Business online conference. So even if you see this particular segment pop up and you think, oh, I've listened to the podcast, you know, segment, I'm good. I really encourage you to actually watch her in action. She's got some really good juju and, of course, some valuable business advice and sometimes We learn in different ways, right? Some of us are visual learners. Others of us are audio. 
some of us, it helps to have both, you know, the audio and the visual. So she's just something. <laughs> I just adore that lady. So anyway, you guys, I am going to miss you for a couple months. And I'm really looking forward to reconnecting with you in either October or November. And as I mentioned, I am going to release a podcast 33, which will be an update to let you know exactly when I'll be podcasting again so that you'll know that date and you'll be able to kind of tuck it away in your brain and go, okay, she's coming back. So I wish everybody such a beautiful week. I hope you guys are doing great with your businesses and in your lives. And I'm sending you all a big hug. Have a wonderful day. Take care. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Prosperous Pet Business Podcast. It would be great if you would take a moment to write a quick review on iTunes. For any questions, comments, or pet business coaching topics you would like to hear on future podcasts, please visit us at www.prosperouspetbusiness.com or www.sixfigurepetbusinessacademy.com.